You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Taking you on a journey through all the shows, movies, concerts, music, and events and things that we see and hear throughout our careers. Today we're bringing you a casual conversation on the latest Broadway production of The Minutes. Uh, the Minutes it was a Tony nominee for Best Play for 2022. Um, it's this Steppenwolf's production from a few years past that is now making its Broadway debut um, at the Studio 54 Theater on Broadway in New York City. Mm-hmm. And this is a play by Tracy Letts, directed by Anna D. Shapiro. Um, and just a warning to you all that we will feature spoilers on this episode. So if you have not seen the piece or you don't want to listen to this until you've seen it, please make sure that you see it before uh, listening further because we do have some spoilers, <laughs> especially about the ending. Because <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about that, <laughs> um, for sure. Um, so welcome, welcome, welcome. We are actually recording this hours after getting out. We sometimes... We always record slightly different times depending on when we're seeing a show and what our schedules are. Today, we came right home to record this, which is really nice because we haven't talked too much about it yet. And I think this will be some really good energy here talking about this piece. Um, So what are your overall thoughts, Jeff, just in general on this piece as a whole and and what you thought of it? This was a really interesting kind of chilling at times odd piece. Mm. I. I think the word odd kind of really just hits the mark on the head for me because I was like, I don't know where this is going at first. Mm -hmm. And figuring out the setting. I mean, when we first enter into the theater, we see this set and you kind of don't know where it even is to begin with. So, And then you hear this like marching band Americana music mm -hmm. playing as you're sitting in your seats. Very like, Yeah. yeah. And for me, it just felt... Okay, let's see what we're what we're about to watch, mm-hmm. and then you obviously realize, like with the title of the show, the minutes, and they're going to be having a meeting, and what's going to happen in this meeting is something that we will unravel right. here. But overall opinion on the show, I thought this was done really, really well. Yeah, I really would say overall that there was some really it, one of the reviews called it um, Parks and Rec meets the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. and I. T- totally understand that because I actually love both of those shows like a lot. And so (laughs) I understand the Parks and Rec comedy side of it a ton. And then I understand the Twilight Zone mystery and it's that fifties and sixties kind of like old school horror. 
um, where it's mystery. And it's not necessarily gruesome, gory. Well, maybe yeah. a little gory at the last five minutes there. It's in some way, <laughs> right? Watching this and you, like, even hearing that, seeing, oh, it, it is kind of like an episode mm. of the Twilight, it Twilight was. Zone, but it's also kind of a little bit like American Horror Story esque. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Seeing an episode <clears throat> of both of those shows done in this style in a ninety-minute play, mm-hmm. it was very similar mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, I really commend someone like Tracy Letts. You know, Tracy Letts who writes August Osage County and is like, that's a brilliant, brilliant play and brilliant film too of the play that was from years back. But I think what Tracy Letts really does is Tracy Letts lets you into a world that you know and that you don't know. Mm -hmm. I look at this and I say city council meetings, school board meetings, anywhere where there's these like formal meetings. And I'm like, okay, I know this. I think this is a, maybe we're going to see a mockery of this. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know this. And there were times in this where I was like, oh my God, I get this small town. I get (laughs) it. I get it. And then I'm like, oh, Interesting. And he, and he makes you look at things. And I think one of the smartest things he does in this play is he puts someone like um, Mr. Peel's character, who's played by um, Noah Reed, that someone who wasn't at the last meeting. Mm-hmm. So now all of us at the audience weren't at the last meeting. And now there's a character on stage who also wasn't there. And where is so-and-so? And what happened? And where are the minutes? And I'm I'm new here. And Mm -hmm. we're all new there. And I think that's really astonishing because to me, from a playwright's perspective, I now find comfort. I now can relate to someone on stage who's going through the same exact thing I am. And I'm sitting here and I'm saying, oh, okay. Oh, you don't know what's going on either? Cool. I don't either. I feel a little better about that. And I think that that's really, really smart. Because this play, I think, would have been so different if if – we were just, you know, oh, if like we didn't know things, but everyone on that stage did. Mm-hmm. And it was very smart to put a character there who was not only new to the town, but new to that meet and didn't know what happened prior mm-hmm. and literally didn't know. And no one in that room could tell him where that other council member was. So I think that was really, really smart. I thought that was a really smart playwright tactic. I didn't even think of that. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's that's just where my brain went. I was like, "Oh, this is really smart because you're I'm going to hold your hand, Mr. Peel, throughout this whole thing because I think you're going to take me with you in discovering what's going on in this mm-hmm. mystery." Cuz it is like it's kind of like watching like an Agatha Christie play, like an old <laughs> 50s murder mystery because I, Talk about, you know, because there's a lot of what ifs and what do we think and what do we think here, right? Cuz they did did leave you with a lot of questions at the end. It did. The ending leaves you with a ton of questions. Yeah. But also, throughout the play, you keep asking the question to yourself. Well, first of all, what's going on here? And then second, why won't they just tell him what's happening? What well, happened? To, to me, it must have been something pretty bad that happened to Mr. Carp if not one person could tell him. Some right. people allowed him to listen to the minutes. Be read. Yes. That was an actually interesting thing when I saw some of the characters say, yes, I say yes to reading the minutes. I say yes to reading the minutes. Maybe because they felt like he is on the council here. He should maybe know. He's one of us or will become one of us. You know, at the end, whatever that cult-like feeling is that you get throughout the whole thing. It's this, like, very interesting, like, oh, and I noticed a couple times, too, and they would say, this is a private meeting today. 
Mm-hmm. Today is a closed meeting, and sometimes councils and boards have those where the general public is not allowed, and obviously they have to have somewhere the general public. Because I thought to myself, like, what would this? What is this board like when there's a general public there? Mm-hmm. You know, and they said, oh, this is a closed session. This is a closed session. Oh, okay, why? You know? <laughs> yeah, I think too. I was just thinking of something about uh, yeah. Were you, did you need to finish? No, what I'm saying is I'm jumping around a lot, and I know that can be a little confusing, but I think we're just, like, so, like, off the energy of the show. So, like, I, I think it's okay. This is what you're just, getting now. You're getting the real The real raw, because we have not really talked – not that we do before podcasts anyway, but I feel like this is something we barely have talked about it in the last, like, hour or two. So now I'm, like, really on the heels of it. But, yes, go to what you were saying. I feel like what's being implied by what's being told throughout this whole play – it's very similar to how things are done currently in today's society, too. And it's how some people teeter on the fence of, like, I want to be the good guy, so I'm going to tell um, I'm gonna tell Mr. Peel, like, uh, Jesse Mueller's character, uh, Miss Johnson. She's right. like, I'm going to tell Mr. Peel that uh, the minutes are here, and I, I sh- he should hear mm-hmm. them. But he needed to figure out in the text that there was – uh, in the minutes that were that there was um, a piece missing, right? And because of that, it was like she wanted to play the good person for up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, she then had to still side with this group. And I, I feel like we're going to get more into this. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, each- and, and and she is taking the notes. She's like the the person who's running the organizational side of this. She She's doesn't really, ch- the clerk, right? She doesn't really chime in much on right. her opinion. So she's so nervous about keeping her job and doing her job right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of things to talk about here. Another thing we can go to, I know, it's like, where do we go next, right? Part of me feels like I would like to say that this whole ensemble, which we yes. did see the whole cast, we didn't have any understudies today. This whole ensemble is working so well together. And I love, one of the things I love in theater is watching people who are not speaking. Mm-hmm. And I'm always astonished. Like, who's eat? Did you notice how many people were eating mm-hmm. and drinking mm-hmm. water throughout that? Like, how casual of the environment was? That would really be happening at a meeting like that. Who's p- popping the M&Ms? Who's making noise and distracting? Who's, like, falling asleep? Right. And it's like, that energy to me is amazing. And with Tracy Letts at the helm as the mayor, I think that's an astonishing thing to see him and this company together working on computers, who's pouring in their coffee and their water, who's just getting up to stretch. It's that really casual environment. I'm like, oh, I wish I was seeing this in the round. I wish I was right there next to them because I liked it at the proscenium, but the yeah. proscenium also allows you to get that feeling of like, we're in a professional city hall environment and we're in this right it would be nice to see it in the round but at the same time if you were the audience to the council meeting you would be sitting the way we were Mm. and they would all be sitting Mm. the way that they were right exactly so it's that it's that right design Mm. from a directing standpoint i think it was done so well it was very well directed and i also thought it was really and I, this is a little bit of the writing as well as the direction, but just the fluttering of the lights and the thunder and that ambiance and just when they came in from outside and they're wet, mm-hmm. it was this like, oh, yeah, something something really wrong is going on outside. It's like no one's noticing the lights are flickering except him. And it's, oh, it's raining for two weeks. But why? Mm-hmm. Like, like Mr. Peel just constantly wanted to know 
Why is it raining outside? Why is this happening? He had so many questions that they were all blasé to and mm-hmm. and kind of like whatever. But of course, that's a mess. That's a hidden meaning because they're so blasé to their town's history. Right. They're so blasé to so many things in their town that that the, the lights flickering and the rain for two weeks straight doesn't even phase them anymore either. Right. Um, let alone let alone in, in the set design. If you really notice, like some things are falling apart. Not all the lights are on up at the top, I noted. Like, it's like looking like your average small town city hall room. It was very, very smart of the design, too. Well, right, because alone from there, a a big thing in this play was about maintenance and money. And Uh where does money get allocated to? And even in their own own building where they're having this meeting, you literally see it falling apart. I actually looked up at the ceiling at one point and I was like, Oh, there's literally water damage. Yes, I saw that too. Coming up here. I was like, and at first I said to myself, was that there the whole time? Well, you have to for, don't forget there's this analogy of water flooding. And I don't know if that was there the whole time either. If anyone's listening, <laughs> can you tell us like is that water damage there in the beginning? It must be. Like well, how would that be, come down? Would... I only noticed it halfway through too, and I was like, "Wait, is the rain outside causing this? Like in the middle of this play? Like is that actually a thing?" I feel like they would have drawn attention to that if it was on, done on purpose, but I didn't notice it for the first half hour or so until later. Well, in it's show. interesting because I feel like you watch that set, and it is kind of evolving without us really knowing. Well, because not they only... have the Noah's Ark reference, right? And there is there is a religious biblical feel to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then when they mention Noah's Ark and only two of us can come and and it's this arced ceiling right. that gives us this feeling of like are we in a boat? Like right. I know we're not. But like there's this <laughs> aquatic boat like feel to this whole piece too. Which could be a mix of the playwright and the direction and the designer all working together, maybe, you know, on that. But yeah, I did I did get that. I think there's so much just on the set and the direction alone that we could even die. We could hold a whole conversation on it. I really feel because there's set and the props and everything were just so amazing to me. And I I would like to put this up there with what we've seen this season as quite high for me. Uh, oh, in terms yeah. of, oh yeah, you know, we had skin of our teeth that I was, was blown away with the set, and yeah. I was blown away with the direction. But I was also very blown away with this set, even though it was very minimal and it didn't do much. It just had so much character and story to it itself. There's, and then when you look back on it and you see how it ends, you look and you say, "Oh, the hallway has this happy harvest sign," and you're like, "Is that like a kindergarten? It looked like a kindergarten classroom bulletin board. Like maybe the kids decorated it in the town hall." I'm like, "Wait, this play is set in November." Thanksgiving is in November. Pilgrims, Native Americans, what is the story that we're told? Happy harvest. Oh, the pilgrims and the Native Americans sat down together and ate. And we as children learn the story of Thanksgiving, of happy, happy. And (laughs) and, And what we learn at the end makes us realize, wait. It's actually set at the American holiday of Thanksgiving, it, or in the month of that, with that beautiful Looks little like pumpkin thing week. in the back. Right, right. That's We're getting ready Halloween for a harvest. Right. So that's why I'm like, oh, that, if you start the play, you don't realize. And then at the end, you're like, look at all these details in the set and what's going on. I, this is what I find in a play, you know? I, yeah. I feel like we need to dive into this plot. Yeah, we do need to dive into the plot. I, I think... W- uh, I want to say one more thing about the set, and then we're going to stop talking about the set. I also was really impressed with... This big mural behind the mayor and the mm-hmm. two men next to the mayor. Here's these like three stoic women yeah. in this painting sitting in their robes and their thrones. And below them are, for lack of a better word, I guess, weak 
men. You know, the mayor, in a way, is kind of weak. The guy to his left, our right, was like this horrible person. And then the guy to his right, our left, was this like guy involved in some maybe money embezzlement of his family in the town. So like the three of them weren't the greatest. Mm -hmm. And yet... Here they are above them are these like strong, superior women in this painting behind them, but below are these like weak, shallow men. I thought that was a really interesting well, juxtaposition. There are people that need power. It so was a power, yeah. They it's there. their power play yeah. in society yeah. there that they're sitting there yeah. and you know. But I, I but you, do but Yes. Right. I do want to move to the plot. Of yes, this for sure, for sure. I think this is going to even include some of the set and mm. some of the direction there, but this plot really, for me, personally, comes from the stories that were told, obviously. So this, these town, the people that have lived in this town for quite some time now have been told a story for over and over and over again. The same way that we all hear Our stories children. over and over and over again. And even some of the things that you were saying before about taking, like, Halloween. It's a story told to us over and over and over again that has evolved into something that we know as Halloween today. Right. But how did Halloween truly right. begin? Right. And how did the town of Big Cherry truly begin? Right. And when you begin? hear the extremely racist, horrible finding of the name of this town, and when they say that that woman, you know, in the letter had to live her whole life in the town, mm -hmm. that was astonishing to me. It was. Um, on top of the fact that there was a couple lines where – where did you learn the play about um, – when he asked – when Mr. Carp is in the flashback, right, and they say, where did you learn about this town? And and what do the elders say? They say, church or school? I don't know. They're kind of the same to me. I'm like, wait, wait. This is symbolism for separation of church and state yeah. because there's this like you didn't remember where you learned – Oh, church or school, they were kind of the same for me. How many times do we think back to our childhood and say, I think I learned something like that in church, something in school. Or for you, maybe. Or well, it's like the story of Noah's Ark. It's the yeah. story of Adam and Eve. Right. It's the story of these things. Or that... American founding stories, too, of our nation, whether that's religious or not. Right? Well, I'm just saying, for us, when you're a child, I think we, as children who go to Catholic school, really believe Adam and Eve is a real thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not saying, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there today that still think that that really happened mm -hmm. and that we all just came from mm -hmm. the flesh of one man. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but, this, but the story yes. is told that way and it's supposed to represent other things. And also Noah's Ark. Uh, there's probably people out there that truly believe the Noah's Ark story for every little detail is yeah. true. And, it, and it, it, yeah, right. And and I think and that there's also this astonishing thing of like the stories you hear, what you are told now, and then it does become a lot about the children. Yeah. And I feel like there are so many moments where even Jesse Mueller's character was like, "But I have a child. Like I I need this job. Like I I can't." Right. Or like, "We have children." The children must know about this amazing, wonderful festival that we have in this town and give the bikes to the children. That'll be the way to kind of get rid of those bikes that are in the... I'm like, wait, you're all missing the whole point here because it's all about... And then when when um, when Mr. Peel really gets in the mayor's face and at the very end, the mayor has that monologue and it's like... and. And the and don't forget the people who worked so hard before you. And then and the whole point is like we're not forgetting about the the whole point is that we're trying to remember the actual truth of what came before mm -hmm. us. And yet irony sets in when it's like, well, we need to just set a good example for our next generation. But you have to do that through truth, and that's what the point is here: is what is the truth? 
But this is something that's still happening today. Yes. So that's why this story is so important as a play right now. Because if you take something like Thanksgiving, the way we're taught the story of Thanksgiving is that we, yes, we sat down at a table all together with Native Native Americans and the pilgrims, had an amazing moment. But guess what? Probably next to the table, they were murdering all of them. Mm-hmm. I love how you. I love how you had a little bit of a slip there because you said the table as if there was one table. <laughs> like, like that's how we're, we're told. <laughs> we're told like, like we're taught that's that there was like there was like, like in this field outside of a little hut there was like a there was one a- table. <laughs> that's and what we're there, told. And we're and 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 all the Native Americans sat on one end of the table, and all the pilgrims dressed nice and sat. Like and, one tea, the tea. And we brought, and they brought corn to the table, and, and we brought a turkey. <laughs> you, you really hate laughing, but like that's literally what's being brought up here. But it goes a step further because, like, even learning about the name Big Cherry in this is play is something like we're dealing with with that with but that's what like a baseball team baseball team right right and And people saying don't erase our heritage no no no. you're not you're missing the point right (laughs) and then we have to go back to this play is called the minutes yeah in a meeting the minutes are the truth well supposed to be and the clerk is supposed to be the whole point of minutes is for the people who are absent (laughs) or for people who said did we talk about this week Look at the minutes. We have to adopt and approve the minutes. It's, the minutes are, by the way, also like in school districts, public knowledge. So you can go to any school district that you pay taxes in or anywhere and look up what was talked about. If you So the minutes and the fact that's where mystery comes up. Wait, where are the minutes? Well, there have you ever had late minutes before? Where are they? Like that is that was number one for Mr. But the Peel. Minutes like, were where miss- the- right, but the minutes were missing because the minutes were edited the same way the stories that are told to us yeah. are edited yeah. in the game of telephone yeah. from when it actually what's the actual truth mm-hmm. to where it is now. Mm-hmm. What's the actual truth from nineteen twenty nine to two thousand and twenty two? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean Stories change over and over again. Religion changes over and over again. History changes mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. again. By the way, of by, by who is telling? And I find it amazing that you have. I mean, there's there's elders here on this council. Mm-hmm. There's one African American man there. There's different representation, but also not clearly like not enough diverse representation in this town too. And like so many of the majority of the people on this board are straight white men. And so that's also a commentary on like maybe how are the makeups of the majority of boards and councils in a lot of small towns? Is it that the occasional woman here and there, one person of color and the rest all white? I mean, but also it's trying to say something too. Yes, but what do those people normally have when they sit on a board? They have an agenda. Yeah. So every single person up there had an agenda for their own needs. Right, for their own. The handicap access to the fountain. That was a whole moment in the show, right? You had some older representation up there that they didn't want to see their town change Mm -hmm. because of how Mm -hmm. they knew how it Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. You have people that are associated with police departments and that whole agenda like, oh, we're going to be able to bury things here or we're going to be smuggling money out of this town. And, you know, then you have the rich guy who wants to just own all of his money and 
play golf on yeah. the weekend. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. It's, and then but you then have the new also, guy. And then you the, have the new guy right. that's young and hungry right. come to this council meeting and start sitting on the board and on the town council and and want real change. And then and you have, there's but, such a hidden, hidden message that we're going to get to right now about the youth of today and the younger generations of today wanting to really bring real change right. and real history to the forefront. And I guess my but question is Mr. To Carp, who exposed the town, also wasn't a young, hungry, new person. He was someone who was there a while and kind of said, we have to stop this. So that was interesting to see, too, that it wasn't like the young guy who discovered that. It was actually someone who right, has but been Mike, there the point is, Mike, uh, the, the point that the, I guess the question I'm getting to you here with is, yes, Mr. Carp brings all of this evidence to the to the um, public. Well, not to really the to the public, but to the meeting. And they all now have heard it and they can all now choose what they want to do with right. this information. Right. Public, it's a little. Bring it to the public. Or keep it buried. It's a little George Orwell, 1984 meets Margaret Atwood, Handmaid's Tale. It's a little bit of that. When you hear these stories of these councils that just make decisions. Mm -hmm. And I I know because we're getting close on end time, I do want to just get to this ending. But I want to ask you the question. But yes, yes, the question, go. The question here is, with Mr. Peel, which is the uh, Noah Reed's character, he has this opportunity now. And he knows that he wants to do better in this world. But why do you think he can't? Oh, well, because... Or why do you think he can? Well, I think it comes down to he's just too new. And I think that he is not embedded in the handshake deals and the you, um, one hand washes the other and the the, the, the the seedier stuff that might be going on behind... The, he's not in on all of that like all of them else clearly were. Right. The others were. So that's probably why he was new and hard and wasn't going to get the minutes right away. Wasn't going to get his agenda put right away. Right? But I'm talking about the ending portion. Here. Yeah, well, the well, that's what I wanted to okay, segue so. into, too. Because I feel like when I heard from some people, oh, um, the uh, the ending, oh, the ending, the ending, the ending. To me, it, it, it meant, I started to become uncomfortable because I was like, this is very odd to me. Yeah. And it was getting very chanty, ritualistic, like borderline satanic cult like and i was like oh this is getting really odd and i'm like are they mimicking a culture are they are they just being their own de- representation of like this like um angst of 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 barbaricness and it was getting so okay now we need to suspend disbelief a little bit and then when he comes back it's like he went outside and he came back and they said oh we knew you'd come back he like got sucked into the cult Something brought him in, and the blood smearing was such a this this very like I I have a bizarre I, thing. I was like, oh my god! It didn't bother me the ending though. I was like, this you're all acting crazy in this whole show, but in like a polite G-rated way, and this is just exposing. I do have a theory. in a way what yeah I do have a theory yeah. on this. I so for me, I I feel like there's so much representation in this that it's like. They're chanting and acting 
a, a little odd. Yeah, it was odd. It was a little odd watching. It's definitely, I, I would call it uh, cringe theater because well, it, when you're sitting in there, you're like cringing that this is even happening and you can tell that the audience around you is uncomfortable, yeah. which is fine because I like being uncomfortable in theater settings. I think it's the best kind of theater. Yeah. And you're watching them and... Yes, it's kind of cult looking, but that they're trying to emulate being a Native American in some sort of a way that they're being blessed by something to do this, but that they take the blood. And I think the blood represents that they're going to keep the blood on them. They're going to keep these stories hidden, even though they know the truth and they have to walk around with that blood on them. But not only that, I think there's a reason why he comes back. Okay. And I personally think that... I didn't like that he did because I really wanted him to break free of I this. I know, but I feel like that's too surface. I, know. I think that he had to leave that room to show them that he didn't want to be part of it. But that he had to come back because he knew he had to be part of it. Because the only way that he's so ever going to be able to make change yep. is he has to join yep. them and then beat yep. them from yep. within. If, if it's one of those, if you can't beat them, join them situations. Join it's them. kind of sad. But, and he, that's but sad. he knows now that he has information that he probably needs to eventually get to the public. But he's not going to yeah. be able to do it from the outside. And, it was, and that was like horror movie-esque to me at the end. It was so Twilight Zone ending. Yeah, it was. And also you say earlier, oh, it was so cringy, it was uncomfortable. Do you know what else was cringy and uncomfortable about a half an hour prior? Was when they like all instantly made the play. Like, they were like, we're just going to tell the play in the middle of the room. And I was like, how do they all do it? This is weird. And I think that is foreshadowing but how I don't think they were. so obsessed <laughs> they are with that town story that later we see the more deep, dark, crazy side of it. But when they right. instantly get up out of their chairs, you're almost like, whoa, did I miss something? And so that's foreshadowing to me of what they do then at the end. In just yes, a different it's definitely way. foreshadowing. But, like, do you think they really did that? Did oh at the end? Well, I think no, it's no, about, no. I'm saying, do you think they really put the play on, or was that just no? They say us. in the play, they say in the play, we all did this in school growing up. We put this play on, so they all knew how to do it. Who plays the farmer? Who plays the this? They just got up to reenact it for the new guy, and I thought that was so funny, but also like. This is so weird that we I know, all can reenact. <laughs> like when you think about like the nativity scene at Christmas, like we all the things that we did as kids, and you like well, part of me doesn't think they were actually doing it. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. I oh I, yeah. Um, I think the Twilight Zone part of it is, is that, that you they think maybe that they're weren't. doing sure, it. Sure, and it's like it's being reenacted. Like if this was a TV show, they would easily it would like change slides to like. Maybe there could have been some, maybe this would have been too, like, much spelling it out for the audience. It could have been, like, a lighting change or something that made us think we were in, like, an alternate world. It kind of did lighting. It did change a little bit. the lighting did change. Yeah, I almost think maybe they could have done that. That's that silly Parks and Rec side of it. I think that could have been funny. But um, I want to ask you one more really, really quick question before we go. Um, Because I have a question for you. A playwright putting themselves in their own show. And being on that stage with them eight times a week doing it. There, I feel Thoughts like there must – I'm perfectly fine with I that. actually think it works really great. And how amazing is it that you can be an actor in this company saying, oh, he wrote he wrote every line I'm saying. I, there's a little bit of I better say it right every night, you know. But then there's also a little bit of like he's our leader behind the pen. And so he's also our leader on the stage too. And he plays the leader of this council. I think you if know? you're going to put yourself in your own show, you know you can do the part. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't think it's ego or anything. No, I don't I think mean, so. I mean, I think there are some people out there that do put them in their yeah. own shows yeah. and stuff that might be a little ego, but I think with this, it was the right play for him to be in. Yeah. Because of the role that it is, like you said, the mayor and also being the playwright. Yeah. It is that. Yeah. He's writing what is being mm-hmm. put out to everyone. Right. I think there's such a message in there. And I think he is so good at the role yeah. that it it might be hard for someone else to do it perfectly. Right. 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 Especially in that, in that character for sure. Yeah. For sure. So, Oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, I literally could do a whole nother 30 seg- minute segment on this because I, wow. we didn't get to everything. I am like, Oh my gosh. Our podcast is called Half Hour, so we have to stick to it. Oh, no. But, okay, last quick wrap-up thoughts on this. Um, I highly suggest everyone go see this. It's playing to, what, July July 24th, I believe. So you have about a a few weeks left in July to go see it. Go and have your own opinions on this. These are just our opinions. I think anyone going and seeing the show can have theirs, and that's what we want to hear, what you think about all of these hidden messages. This is definitely one of those shows that will do that for you. Like, just go and see it, enjoy it, and... Um, watch a really great piece of theater and watch a really great ensemble cast there because they were just so well. I would say, yes, really, really great ensemble work. Tracy Letts is a master of what he does and it's amazing. And I would also like to say, how amazing will it be to hopefully see this play done in community theaters and regional theaters and college theater and in places where these small towns are? Mm -hmm. Put this play in it. And let a community theater with people of those similar ages do it for their hometown. Whether it be a conservative town, a liberal town, or anything in between, I would love to see that. And see how small towns sitting in a small town theater, watching a small town production of it with local actors doing it. That, that would be amazing to me. I, I think that would be really, totally cool. So. And don't forget, we have a big shout-out that we have to give. Oh, yes. My friend, Carolyn, who I went to Michigan with, yes. proud Go Blue alums. She made Go her, Blue. She made her Broadway debut as an assistant stage manager on this show. We t- uh, saw her afterwards for a little bit, and it's just amazing to hear her journey through this. So shout-out to you, Carolyn. Congrats yes. um, on this amazing, amazing thing. She's a good friend, and I'm so, so proud of her. So wonderful things. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening today. We really hope you enjoyed more pop music episodes coming i believe um the next broad this was the last um uh broadway episode of the tw- uh, 2021 2022 theater season the next shows now coming up are going to be the new tony season where we're diving into some new theater coming this summer so here we go here we go we hope you round, enjoyed round two <laughs> there we go at half hour podcast on uh social media at two two worlds entertainment and at half hour podcast tiktok instagram follow comment like share talk about this we love talking about this with people um, in comments and things and go and go see this play if you haven't yet so Running over time. Okay, here we go. Until next time, signing off for now. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying ta ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.